Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Today's guest is John Arn, who is the CEO of DWC Construction. John is the fourth CEO at DWC, and he is in his 41st year with the company. DWC is an interior general contractor focused on renovating buildings and build-outs ranging from corporate headquarters, legal offices, to charter schools and industrial spaces. DWC is also celebrating its 75th year anniversary this year. Gotta love that. And for the past four years, they have been listed as one of the top places to work by the Tennessean. And since John is one of the most humble people you're ever going to meet, I'm going to share with you that he's been recognized five times in the last six years as a most admired CEO by the Nashville Business Journal. And as we go through this, you're going to see a lot of culture stuff. John's leadership is huge on culture, DWC, huge on culture. And there were two quotes that I wrote down immediately after he said them in our pre-interview that I had to share with you. So uh, the first quote is, if your kid is in a play at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, I need you to be there. And the second one, a carpenter and apprentice in the field is just as important as me in this company. With that said, John, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. I'm happy to be here. This should be fun. We're excited, John. You've been a lot of, uh, in the pre-interview and just you feel it. It's very warming. You're very warming to talk to, John. If it's not too much to, to add, you know, I feel like I'm talking to a grandpa, like like one of those really good hearted. <laughs> like I, 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 you can only do that with age. Like, I'm sorry. I, I got to bring, bring it out. But I really feel like that when I'm talking to you, you just have like the age old wisdom. And it's like, kind eyes like you're just awesome which is wild because i assume john was only 42 so this is you know this is a wild wild uh, west out here <laughs> well i have my uh, my stand-in double uh, on the screen right now so yeah <laughs> makes sense a deep fake deep fake for sure okay so let's uh, let's dive into the backstory here john so tell us about you tell us about your origin story what happened to make you become the ceo of uh, dwc <laughs> It depends how far back we want to go, but I originally thought I was going to be a music teacher. And when I found out that there were a lot of more talented people out there than me, that slipped away. And I got a job as a carpenter apprentice, loved that for two years, but realized there was a better way to do this. And I really fell in love with construction and so pursued a degree in engineering that allowed me to move into the commercial building industry. And so it's really just been fun the entire time. I mean, I really got to do the things I love, love to do. And so back in 1977, now I'm giving away some of my age, I graduated college uh, with a civil engineering degree, moved to Nashville to work on a hospital project for four years. At the end of that, I did not want to move to Dayton, Ohio. No slam against Dayton. I just didn't want to move there. And uh, two gentlemen I had met had an idea of starting a, uh, a new type of company, a division within their company that would focus on building interiors and office buildings. And uh, I had the opportunity to jump in with them and, and uh, they let me run with it. And 10 years later, it, it became the company. And, and now 41 years later, I'm the, I'm the CEO of uh, DWC Construction Company. Love it. Love it. 
So tell us a little bit more about DWC. What makes you guys unique? We're really the first guys in Middle Tennessee in the Nashville market to focus on doing interior construction. I mean, my competition back in the 80s was big construction companies who literally didn't want to do that type of work. They didn't want to have to coordinate with tenants and with building owners. They just wanted to build buildings. And so it was really a nice run for about 10 years of doing that. We were the go-to guys for at least 10 years. And then folks started looking over the fence, realizing that, you know what, that looks like there's an opportunity. And so today it's it's really, really a bit of a commodity uh, with lots of competition. And so one of the things that we worked on is we have to give the customer another reason to buy from us. Because if it's just price driven, that's not who we are. It's it's we're competitive. We're going to be there in the numbers, but giving people a, a higher level of customer service than our competition, that's what starts to set us apart. Treating the customers like we'd like to be treated. I mean, that's one of our core values is treating others the way we want to be treated and showing we care. And so you deliver that to clients, people notice. I couldn't agree more with that by any means. So uh, one thing. DWC, does that stand for anything, John? So originally, it was the drywall company back in 1947. And the logo was so familiar to people in Nashville, we hung on to it and used that transforming to a construction company. But we had a marketing guy that helped us with just some changes, tweaking to the logo years ago. And he said, you know, after talking to some of your clients, John, he, he said, I think you need to add a tagline that says done with care. And so for many years, it was DWC Construction Company and underneath it, Done With Care. In fact, we even had some people writing checks to Done With Care Company. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was crazy. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So let's start talking about culture. Your DWC, four years, greatest place to work, Nashville, for sure, 110%. So what is culture? You know, a lot of people get into this, oh, we've got great company culture. We, you know, we've got a pinball machine in the lunchroom and this is, hooray, we have culture. What to you, John, what is culture? You, you know, some of those things are are good. I mean, seriously, if you have a pinball machine in the, in the lunchroom, that, that's, that's, gone, that's good and that's fun. And, and we build office spaces that have pinball machines in the, in the break room. But for us, what it seems culture has, has become is developing relationships within the company uh, all from top to bottom and, and, and top to bottom, just describing an org chart. That's all. I mean, everybody has value and, and contributes to the success of our projects. Uh, but uh, developing relationships with the carpenters, with the supers, with the project managers, I mean, I make a point to to know as much as I can about as many of the team as as possible. Uh, I want to I want to know who their spouse or their significant is. I want to know something about their kids, and and I work at it because uh, I think it's important. So obviously, the employees like it. What you know, culture is huge at DWC, and why is that your key focus for the company? Why is that the thing that you have attached to? First. I don't know if it goes back to when we had uh, a team member leave and a few few other team members left uh, with them. And, and I realized, you know, it was kind of easy for some of those people to leave because they were, they were good team members and we had some connectivity, but we really didn't have a relationship with them. And so probably 20, 25 years ago, we began doing some things to try to create a stronger connection from senior management to the rest of the team. And so a couple of things we did were uh, we, we started having weekly team meetings 
Uh, I mean, that was foreign to the company at, at that time. But I, I thought, you know, what better way to share information about where we're going, what's going on, give people a venue where they can actually talk to us and, and ask questions, have a conversation. And then that led to uh, starting monthly superintendent meetings where We'd have them come in first thing in the morning. We'll have breakfast together. We talk about what's going on on the projects. How can we make it better? How can we help? But also allowed uh, me the opportunity to share vision and, and direction and really just encourage the guys. I mean, it's a it's a eye to eye handshake and greeting. And, you know, all of a sudden you get a little better connected with people when it's just you're signing their paycheck and they see your signature once a week. So, John. Obviously, hearing a little bit about the relationships, how has it affected your hiring and retention? It, uh, I believe it helps in, in retention. I mean, we still have a certain amount of turnover. I mean, you, you can't be in business 75 years and not have some turnover. But it's, uh, in fact, let me recount something that, that happened a year ago. Had a, had a great manager here, great, a real all-star. And for about six weeks, uh, he, his mood changed. And I thought, something's going on. I just don't know what it is. And so what ended up happening is he came into my office uh, later in the day after about six weeks and said, John, I, I really need to talk to you. And, and actually, I thought he was going to start crying uh, because he was so emotional about coming in to tell me he was leaving. Uh, and, and I mean, when you have that kind of kind of connection uh, and, and really a funny side story, it turns out that uh, an individual who who was going to join him, an outside investor, uh, was a is a casual friend of mine that I've known for many years, and he did not know where this guy worked. He just he was they were they were referred and put together, and, and uh, when he finally sat down and they started talking about, well, let's see if this thing will work. Tell me where you work, and 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 actually both these guys told me the same story: the employee that left and the investor. He said, well, I work at DWC with John. He said, literally, the guy put his hands in his face, anybody but John. <laughs> <laughs> that That's it. Like that you are on to something huge when not people not even that work for you, just people you know. Oh, God, not John. Anybody but John. No. And, and that was crazy. I mean, the, the guy resigning told me that story. And then I had lunch because I, I contacted the guy. I said, well, look, I think you owe me lunch. And we got <laughs> together and he just said, I don't even want to look you in the eye. He said, I couldn't believe it that it, that he was one of your team members. He said, you know, I'm so sorry. I said, no, I said, it's a great opportunity for the guy. I said, I hate losing him. But but one of the things that, that also involves culture is you, you have to be okay with building people up and knowing that they may leave because they just you created some opportunity. You helped them grow professionally, and, and as much as I'd like to think I could keep everybody here like a mother hen, the reality is if they're really good and you've helped them grow professionally, they may leave the nest. Uh, and 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 you know I wish I could find a way to stop that, but uh, but I don't want to stop people growing professionally. I don't want to keep them from reading books, from going to seminars. I don't want to curtail their own professional development because for the time they're here, they're still, they're great employees, they're great team members. Uh, and, and so we just keep trying to find ways to make it better all the time to where they just don't think about leaving. So you've been doing, working on culture for, I mean, before culture was a thing, but let's be honest here. Okay. I don't think it was named culture back then. 
but the you know and so whatever this thing is back then and even now what was the reason is the reason why people join your company the same reason why they stay i would say yes and because uh, the compensation is commensurate and, and actually can, can be a little better than, than the competition uh, because we really do believe in profit sharing and, and so people can tap into their productivity and if they're working hard and doing a great job but then it, it is it is the culture when when we get a new team member in who's worked for some other firms that is what we hear i mean that's the feedback that comes to me is just so different and sometimes it's just the attitude of our senior uh, leadership team. I mean, just treating people with respect. And it sounds so simple, but I mean, doing it, that thing, we can, you can tell people that's what you're doing. But, you know, the proof is, is in, is that what your people say? I mean, is that how folks think about you? And, and when like the uh, best places to work or top workplaces uh, surveys come out and, and we get some of that feedback, I mean, those are the kind of things that that the that the team is saying is that they can always talk to us, they can ask questions, that they that they feel a part of it. Uh, they don't feel like an employee or just the guy who's hammering nails and that's how John makes money. I mean, they just don't think about it like that. They think like they are part of this team and that we're all a team. And and, and so I think the more you talk about that and encourage it, the more people grab grab onto it. And and, and really, well, you're you're right. I mean. We were doing culture before culture was cool. I mean, we didn't know it. You're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it sounds like you're talking about driving intrinsic passion, right? And pulling intrinsic passion out of people to really be passionate about what they're doing. And it doesn't really matter what they're doing, but it, it's driving a purpose that comes from in, you know inside rather than just money, right? Which is on the outside. Would that oh, be a fair I statement? Oh yeah, I, I would I would agree completely. In fact, one of the things that that I believe in and, and share with the team during some of our training is I want them to be passionate about their work. That it needs to be more than just a job. You know, everybody talks about that uh, they want to enjoy what they do, and if you have that, that you'll never work a day. Well, that's not that's not accurate. But the thing is, what if you could have fun and enjoy what you're doing, and then get compensated for it too? I mean, I used to kid folks saying, you know, I get to do something I like doing and I get paid for it. Uh, and so to me, that's, you know, that's golden. But but you're right. It is helping people see it more than just showing up at seven o'clock for work, but that it, there's more to it than we work real hard on, on creating even a team environment so that people are rewarded. People get rewarded for what they contribute to, to the company financially, but they get rewarded even more if they're helping their teammates out. Uh, and, and so we encourage that both financially and sub, subtly, sub, subtly. Anyway, I think you know the word. I'm, it's, not, it's not coming out of my mouth, but, but, but just encouraging them to, to uh, be, be working together and thinking about each other as a team. Uh, and we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, and some people are better at it than others. Um, but, but we keep pushing that idea that the guys in the field are part of the team with the guys in the office. And when they work together, we can have a little more fun. It's a little more enjoyable. We make a little more money. So that leads to the obvious question. How does it affect new business, right? Everybody talks about culture. It's great for business. La, 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 la. But like, how does it actually affect your business when it comes to you know, making money? Because that's it's, it's, part of, it's part of business. We still got to make money. So how does it affect new business? 
Well, I, th- I think I think two ways. First, I always believe if we can get a client to work with us one or two times, they they just feel there's a different way of, of that we come about it. You know, can we can we identify six things that that the client's going to see? No, not not really. But they just find that it's a little easier to do business with us, and they probably couldn't tell you exactly why. And there's a lot of business that's just driven by, you know, you do business with people that look like you and think like you and that you trust. And so, you know, you can't fight that all the time just because you have great culture. But I think what also happens is that because the culture's stronger here than in some of our competition, that just has a way of oozing out to, to clients and to projects. It's how you treat your subcontractors. It's how we're treating the property managers, the engineers. I mean, the culture is that, you know, we're not going to dog cuss people when things go wrong. Uh, I mean, we're going to get upset if it's really gone off the rails, but we're going to work to bring it back to where it needs to be to get it done for the client's benefit. And, and so when you think about new business, part of it is that there's a lot of collaboration inside our office, people helping each other acquire a new business or uh, acquire a project in that it's not unusual to see folks working collaboratively to help bring a project in. And that comes from that idea of team and and culture where people are encouraged to work together and to assist each other. And so, you know, I can't say that it just draws more more business in, but uh, it certainly builds a strong reputation where people, what I don't hear is we're on an, an invitation to look at a project and I hear people taking our name off the list. No, it, it's one of those things where, what's the old uh, phrase that nobody got fired for buying IBM? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and really, th- that's almost the same thing. Pe- people typically aren't going to get in trouble for adding us to the list. That, you know, the reputation of my team is, is, is so good. The, the managers do a great job. The supers do a great job. The carpenters do a great job. And, and then the folks in the office I mean, great support team in, in, in accounting, uh, in business development and marketing and operations. I mean, they're all all-stars. And, and when you put all that together, I mean, you just hit some home runs. When we were talking in the pre-interview, you had mentioned that your head of uh, business development, he says, I just need to get them in the office. Like, I just need them in the office. Why is that the case? Well, well, actually, actually, not to correct you, Justin. Uh, oh, you should correct me as much as, <laughs> as, much as possible here, John. <laughs> but uh, actually, it's our, our, uh, our, our vice president, who actually is now one of my, one of my new partners. Um, uh, Congratulations and, and, to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy and, and just, just you know, a great example of, of, of what happens here and help people develop and grow. Uh, but uh, so he, he oversees uh, most of our project management team. Not, not all of it. There's some differentiation in there, but our, our uh, construction team project managers, he oversees. So he, he hires and interviews and he involves me a little bit, but really that, that's his baby. And, and his comment to me was just that. He said, you know, we read the resumes, we do the testing, and, and we, do, we do a pretty lengthy pre-employment uh, process. I mean, we, we want to really make sure we're getting that right person in here. And, and uh, one of the things that, that Craig, since Craig point, pointed out, he said, if I can just get them to the office, he said, they just sense something different's going on here. And then when they walk around and talk to the people and he introduces them, he said, it really does help seal the deal. 
because they see that it's real, that, that there's a genuineness about the rest of the team. Plus, plus they get to see all the awards that are posted. <laughs> so, in fact, it's, it's kind of funny. They make sure that those are front and center in the conference room when people walk in, that all the awards are lined up there about top workplaces and, and, and different accolades that the company's received. Uh, so that doesn't help uh, as a little reminder that that's, <laughs> that's who the team is. Hey, you're talking to a marketer here, so I totally believe in reminding people of things. That's just that's how it works. So no, oh, that that makes tons of sense. A little humble bragging, you know, isn't bad. You know, just hey, you, you can look at those as well as you walk through. <laughs> <laughs> you also have your core values, if I remember correctly, posted uh, across the company. Correct? How? I mean, how is that? Um, affect things. So it, it shows up several places. Uh, the conference room uh, has it uh, posted several places. It actually encircles the room, four core values. So there's one on every wall. And then the the uh, there's one blank wall and, and a designer came up with the idea, what if you had a continuous thread of all the values that they just, it just keeps reading all the way down through the wall. Um, and, and so when people come in, that, that's a question as part of the interviewing process is that the, this is our core values, guys. And, and, and so we need you to embrace these. But we also do something else. Um, we have a, um, they are a, a laminated signs. Every project next to the building permit has our core values posted next to it. And, and what, I, what I share with the team uh, when we do our training is, we want, to re- we want you to remember every day, this is who you are. This is who we are. We want subs when they walk on the job to know this is how we're going to do business. And we want clients when they walk through the job to know this is how we do business. So it's a big deal. That's really believing in core values. A lot of companies will have core values that are uh, more marketing initiatives than anything else that aren't really true. They'll post them on their website and things like that. But when you actually hire and fight, we're an EOS company, so entrepreneurs operating system, we hire and uh, fire essentially uh, when it comes to core values. That's a huge piece to us. We need to have the right people in the right seats. And it sounds like you're in that same same place as us. Yeah, when a team member joins and, and their indication is that they really have embraced them, but what we find out over time that they don't, it's almost like we don't have to ask them to leave. They get uncomfortable because they're just pushing against the system and, and, it's, and it doesn't feel good. So, you know, it, it actually, I think it's so ingrained in, in the um, personality of the whole company that, that people just get uncomfortable if they don't fit. That's a great point. When you're essentially, when you have all the salmon swimming one way, if you're going the other way, it's not easy. So that makes a lot of sense. All right. So a couple of fun things about culture that I want to touch on. So tell me about birthday cards and Valentine's, John. Well, I like getting them. <laughs> oh, you want more than that. Want I want a little that. bit more than that, John. So, so it's, it, golly, it's probably been 10 years ago in, in uh, an entrepreneur organization seminar speaker was talking about what a big deal that is. And he had, hundreds of employees. So he had somebody assisting, but he said, everybody gets a birthday card uh, from me every year. And so I thought about that, that, you know what, that's, that's something we need to do. And so for at least the last 10 years, I've been sending birthday cards to every employee on their birthday with a little note in there from, from me, uh, wishing them well and telling them how much I appreciate them being a part of what we're doing. Um, 
and, and then I look for for other things to to do that are just fun. Uh, so we just had Valentine's Day, and I know that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I went by Walgreens and I, I bought twenty little boxes of Russell Stover hearts with chocolates in them, small ones like a, the dollar ninety nine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And early that morning on Valentine's Day, I dropped one on everybody's desk with a little note from me, just tell them how much I appreciated them and how they pour their heart into their work every day, and that's a good thing. Um, it's so I, I, I mean, I look for those excuses. In fact, the, the guys give me a hard time sometimes. They say, you're just looking for an excuse to wear a funny hat or a wig or, <laughs> or, or dress up in some way. But you know what? Life's hard. Work is hard. We got to have some fun. Let's have some fun while we're here. I couldn't agree anymore. Speaking of uh, hair, as you mentioned, what about Halloween? What do you do for Halloween around there? <laughs> well, well, okay. So we talked about this in the pre-interview. And, and so, I don't know, a couple of years ago, part of the team said, hey, let's have a costume contest. And, and so, you know, like half of them dressed up and the other half didn't. And so I decided what I was going to do is, uh, so I've got 99% gray hair. And so I got some black dye, hair dye, and dyed my hair. And so I bet we went through at least the first half of the day and nobody made any comment at all, none, until finally someone came into my office and said, did, did you really, did you mean to dye your hair black? And they thought I was like going Grecian formula <laughs> and dyeing my hair. I said, no, it was for Halloween. Oh. Nobody got it. <laughs> oh, they, didn't so to, they didn't want to hurt my feelings. Well, that's good culture, right? They're, they're trying to preserve your feelings, but they said something before the end of the day. They said something. They did. It was, it was fun. <laughs> and then everybody got a big laugh when they realized that it was a joke. And, and I was very glad I was able to wash it out that night. <laughs> wow. Oh. You know, so we talked a lot about culture. You're obviously huge on culture. Um, there's something that you mentioned, and I loved what you what you talked about, uh, which is DWC University. Tell you know, tell everyone, tell us what is DWC University and why does it exist? So, Dolly, I guess I'm going to say ten years. That seems to be the marker when we started making a lot of a lot of different changes at the time. But uh, one of the things that that I, I realized is we wanted to try to deliver the same experience to every client and really the same experience for every employee. And, and so I, I used this model, this picture, I flashed it up on the screen of McDonald's French fries. Uh, and I actually worked at McDonald's, one of the many jobs I had put myself through college. But one thing is true of McDonald's French fries, um, and they are not underwriting this that I'm aware of and not paying me. Uh, but <laughs> no, we're not getting any promotion for it either. So don't worry about it, John. <laughs> so, uh, but, but the one thing that's true, true is they're always the same. I don't, I don't care where you go. Uh, they always come out the same and they do that because having worked there, I know how that system works, that there's a, a, a very organized description about how you produce those French fries. And so all you have to do is follow the directions, follow the process and the procedure, and they're gonna come out the same and taste great all the time. So I said, what if we take that same concept and and develop uh, uh, how we we deliver construction? And and so we spent some time and and came up with, I guess we're up to seven or eight uh, modules now of DWC University that, that helps team members 
um, understand how we do business, like how we deliver a construction project. And, and it's really geared uh, uh, to two big groups of that are the superintendents. So it's to help a superintendent who's either new as far as like just been newly promoted and it's just learning about the process of, of managing work on a job site, but also for new superintendents uh, to the company who already have an established uh, process, but help them understand this is how we like to see things delivered. And, and so the expectations are spelled out and then everybody knows how we're thinking, how we like to deliver. And, and the hope is that every project looks and feels the same to a client, no matter who's managing it. Um, and then in addition, there's one other section that everybody in the company has to, has to go through, and that's on the, the customer experience and customer aptitude. And that's just learning how to tell the difference of how can I make a client's day to where they really do think, man, this is the best thing's ever happened to us. We're so glad we had you do our project. So sounds like there was an epiphany somewhere, and it sounds like you know, getting all your processes, all your ducks in a row, you've got some sort of, you know, essentially operating system running in your company. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What is it, you know, and how do you guys operate? Well, probably in this same time frame, I became exposed to the Rockefeller habits, first through a facilitator, Elizabeth at Orchard Advisors, but then also I came to understand as I joined the entrepreneur organization, EO, that uh, that's really their foundation it is most guys in EO, I say guys, guys, girls, most business owners in EO are, are following uh, the Rockefeller habits. Um, uh, and, and if not, they're using uh, another system called EOS, um, which I forget what it stands for. Entrepreneurial but, operating system. Yep. <laughs> Entrepreneur operating system. What, what, what a revelation. Uh, <laughs> but, but um they have some very detailed uh, guidelines and, and um, processes that they that, that they lay out. They don't give you, it's not a formula, but it is an outline of how to build your company, how to build your processes in such a way that your company can grow, that you can be profitable, that you can figure out if you have the right people on the bus. And so we started really spending some time in that. And then we began doing real strategic planning. I mean, people talk about that, but, you know, it took us a couple of years to figure it out. But, um, you know, we now do that. And I think that's part of how we've gotten better at culture. We've gotten better at how we hire people. Uh, I think it's made it better for retention, certainly better for how we deliver um, uh, products and projects. So, uh, so I really give a lot of credit to that, to the true strategic planning. And like I say, it's kind of like culture, but it's got culture. Yeah, we do planning, but most of the people I talk to tell me to do planning, unless they're working in those systems or have an outside facilitator helping them, they're doing what we did for a long time. We have this great idea. We get away for four hours. We make these great plans. And then 60 days later, we can't remember what we were doing. Because there's no system. There's no system about how to attack it. Um, so, so we we have a quarterly planning, annual planning. Uh, leadership team meets weekly to review where we are. I meet individually with uh, with the leadership, and we spend a little time to looking at uh, their individual priorities and, and uh, initiatives. And, and I think it helps keep keep us on track and keeps us in focus. That makes tons of sense. So are you guys currently using an implementer or a facilitator? Are you guys currently 
running things all by yourself? We, we have a facilitator. Ever since I became introduced to the real thing mm-hmm. and, and read the books, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody asked me, well, man, that's a, that's a lot of money. I said, but you know what? I said, but we're getting things done. And when we didn't have a facilitator, we weren't getting things done. And so you're right. It's an expensive taskmaster, but I think it makes a difference. Uh, plus, what it does is it initially I was the facilitator. And so it 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 hampers some of the dialogue and the thinking. Uh, in fact, the first couple of years, it took a while for, for the team itself to tell to from the facilitator was having to tell the team, quit looking at John to see what he's thinking or doing. And and really today. I mean, we went through the five dysfunctions of the team by, by Lencioni. Lencioni. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge great book. book. Great book. <laughs> huge, huge fan, fan of Lencioni. And, and uh, I'd say that the leadership team I have today is the first time we've gotten to level four. Uh, Ooh, that, that, all right. That it's, it's, been, it's been hard work. But now we can have a meeting and we can disagree and have that, that open dialogue where we're, where we're challenging each other and there's a little conflict, but we can resolve it and, and come out at a better place. And, and so, you know, if we hadn't been doing some of the strategic planning and working with the facilitator, I don't know we would have got there. So just so everyone knows what we're talking about here, Patrick Lencioni, he has a model uh, in five dysfunctions of a team. And it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it starts with trust and then it's con- conflict, commitment, accountability. And the fifth one is uh, results. And it's essentially like being human, uh, and then being able to uh, demand debate, focus on clarity and closure. Uh, uh, I think it was like confront, being able to confront difficult issues and then focus on outcomes, if I remember correctly, something like that. And to be able to have, it's sort of like Maslow's for teams and being at, you know, at the fourth tier, it's really hard to do. So great book for anyone that's out there. No, I'm, you know, we, we don't have anything with Lencioni, but I'm saying out of personal experience, it's really hard to do, but when you got it, it's harmony. I mean, really the team hums. So, and, and we have to keep working at it. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll drift away from it and have to sort of check ourselves and bring everybody back. But but one of the things it has done is is created much more openness in, in people sharing their ideas from the standpoint of that you know it's a diversity of ideas. Or, or when there's a little bit of true conflict, not just conflict because we don't agree on something, but true conflict, people are a little more open to have that hard conversation with somebody saying, Hey, that really bothered me. And, and, you know, I just, I wish you didn't do that. Now I'd like to say that happens every day, every time something happens, but there's a little more of that. Uh, and, and especially for me, uh, I mean, I, I now have team members, both on my leadership team and in the management and, and even in the field that feel the freedom to stop me and tell me, what did you really mean by that? Because I, I, that, that kind of bothered me, John. And it allows me the opportunity to apologize or back up or clarify. And 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. I simply love that. Being open and honest, one of our core values is candid. That is, that's one of our core values. And that's obviously internally, but also externally. And when we can just be candid with each other, it it clears up so many 
you know, relationship messes, it clean, it clears up, just not, we're just not clear on something. Maybe it, the intention was completely different or the outcome that we wanted was completely different, but we were just weren't clear. And that, you know, for our core value, that really resolves a lot of uh-ohs, <laughs> as you call them. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know what, guys, I, I'll be honest, we're not, we're not perfect at it. I mean, we, we screw up as much of that as we, as we get right. And, and, and in fact, I, I noticed that there was a little disconnect within and uh, some of our team. And, and so we've been we've been doing a weekly 10 minute thing uh, with our entire project management team just to try to create more unity within within that group. I mean, there was a little pulling and tugging. And and so I noticed it and said, you know, I'm committed to make this work. And so I was just telling my leadership team, I said, we're on week 21 uh, of, of, of this program. And I said, we're going to keep doing it until until I get this great sense that there's, that there's, there's really unity and harmony here. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not like we're throwing rocks at each other. I mean, Friday afternoon, it's nothing to see a Nerf gun battle break out. Uh, <laughs> because a couple of years ago, we got this credit back. Somehow, uh, I don't remember what the how we ended up with it, but we ended up with this uh, credit from Amazon. And the team and uh, the team was asked, what would you like to do with this? And they came back. What if we bought Nerf guns for everybody? And that's what we did. We bought under the Christmas tree that year. There was a Nerf gun with everybody's name on it. Uh, so I mean, the oh, same guys wow. that I'm that I'm pushing to to be more more harmonious, work closer together, trying to create an environment that does that. Those are the same guys that are that are running around shooting each other on Fridays with their Nerf guns. So I mean, we we have a great team. I just keep trying to make it better all the time. That's great. Here's your company handbook. Here's your business card. And here's your Nerf gun uh, on day one uh, working at DWC. So that is amazing. Now, the one thing you I know. noticed is the gun I got just didn't seem to have bullets. I don't understand. <laughs> they gave you a little <laughs> one shooter and they got the big one. Oh, yeah. yeah. But actually, it did. You know what, guys? It, uh, Justin and Willie turned into that. All of a sudden, guys started investing. And I didn't, had no idea that you get these battery-operated, multiple firing. Uh, uh, I mean, it turned into like a battlefield for a little while on Fridays where guys were investing in this higher-tech Nerf gun. It was wild. Full, full camo, hiding in the, in the company plants. Unfortunately, we, awesome. we didn't get to the ghillie suits, so we were no. okay with that. I'm That's sure the awesome. engineers were modifying uh, some, <laughs> some of theirs, uh, putting bigger springs and stuff like that. Oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, that's great. So, you know, I, I feel like this is a natural time to talk about uh, technology. We've talked about people and process. Talk a little bit about technology. Uh, what systems do you use and why? Technology is such a such a broad topic. And and sometimes I feel like we're, we're not where we need to be. And, and I know when we hire younger and younger managers, they're they're bringing new technology in. But there's a couple of things that we've tried to standardize that, that we did uh, land on a, a project management software system that's locally developed. And, and the thing is, it's not the it's not the greatest, but it fits our need. And and, and so that's what we were looking for. We tried a lot of different things, and um, and, and so uh, I mean, systems called Pasker. It's not. I mean. It's, no, no, no big secret. A lot of my competition uses it as well. But uh, there's one thing that we've been trying to do, uh, and, and we had talked about this earlier, uh, and, and that is that we try to deliver a report to our clients that includes 
weekly photos or every other week or some sort of period that the team agrees on that'll have photos, schedule updates, uh, issues and concerns. And for a while, it was taking like a half an hour per report or 45 minutes per report. Guys would take photos, take notes, get in an email, an Excel spreadsheet. We came up with different versions and different little programs we could use. And it got so cumbersome, it just wasn't happening. And so one of our team members uh, started fooling around with an app. And uh, now uh, the guys are able to produce those things uh, right on the job site. Like within 10 or 15 minutes, they can take photos, upload some information, tap in a few things, and it's off to the client. And, and so that's been a that's been a huge, that's just been a huge time saver for the project managers. So it doesn't feel so burdensome. Like, oh, I got to do three more reports that, you know, they can do them while they visit the job site now with because so, of the app. So you developed an internal, essentially, you developed your own app. What kind of savings? Like if you were to, you know, obviously it was an investment of, of time and money, but then what does it save you? Why why, why develop your own app? Well, 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 well in fairness, our, our uh, senior manager of operations and of strategy and operations came across an, an app that was out there and didn't cost us anything. And it, it allowed a modification. Um, so we didn't have to get permission or it was just one of those nice, sweet things that you find under the, you know, uh, we found the golden Easter egg. Uh, and, and, and so uh, he made that development, but when you just think about it, so, so right now there's, there's six managers that are producing these reports. And, and if we just saved uh, two hours a week per manager, I mean, all of a sudden that's 12 hours a week and, and um, you know, start multiplying that out by weeks. And, and, and again, that would be a little exaggeration because they don't go out every week and not every manager does them all the time. But the reality is all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, we're at 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in, in soft savings. But what I look at is, so I didn't really save dollars. But what I did is I did two things that we that we always talk about is, are we creating a better quality of life with decisions we make? And are we finding a way to make a little more money? And, and so if we don't do those, we always want to ask, why are we doing this? And, and, and so in that particular example, what it does is better quality of life. It's a little easier for the guys to produce the reports. Does it make more money? They now have more time to look at more work. And so, so there's an increased opportunity, uh, increased uh, uh, ability for, for more opportunity to pursue. Um, and, you know, and the guys are feeling better about it. That's, well, I mean, if your uh, goalposts are better quality of life, a little bit more money, that fits in the, it fits through the uprights, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I want to, I want to ask you a question. It's a favorite question of mine to, uh, to ask. And especially with your wisdom, uh, I feel like we're going to get a good answer. So if you could go back in time 20 years, what would you tell yourself? If, if 20 years, it would definitely be be more focused on, on the team, on the individuals, on building those relationships. Um, that yeah, I, I just thought everybody showed up every day and wanted to work hard and do a good job and build a good team and wanted to retire from, from the company. But I found out that wasn't so. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, you know, if we had been working on that 20, 25 years ago, I mean, focus, I mean, we were slowly picking up pieces 
that, you know, until a few years ago, we didn't know that what we were doing is developing culture that we just thought we were trying to make this a better place to work. And then somebody put a label on it. Uh, but uh, that would be, that would be it. I, I, would, I would say, John, take the time, spend some time with all your, all your team and, and get to know them. You develop those relationships, the, the guys working in the field, the superintendents, the project managers. Um, and, and some of those, you have to create an opportunity be, because you know, I'm not, I don't see the carpenters every day uh, and I may not see them for a month or two. Uh, and so you have to be intentional. And, and that's what I would have told, told a, a younger me, uh, not better looking necessarily, uh, but, a, uh, but a younger me is, is be more intentional about developing relationships with the team. And what would you tell the entrepreneurial, uh, the entrepreneurial side of you? What would you tell yourself, you know, if you were to go back in time 20 years? Well, I know you're going to ask hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here um, we, for. We, yeah, Will does that. You know, I like to ask about Valentine's. He likes to ask hard questions. You know what I mean? You know, John, it's the, it's the yin-yang balance. That's all. <laughs> You know, I guess part of the challenge in, in even thinking through that, that question, Will, is is I've never really seen myself as an entrepreneur. I mean, I just, I'm, you know, I'm this this guy who who got out of engineering college because there were more people who knew less than me, and and, and got an opportunity, got this opportunity um, that I'm very grateful for, and and it grew into something with with hard work. So, what I tell the entrepreneurial side of me is, I think what I'd say is, you don't have to work so hard. That there's really, and, and I knew that, I mean, I knew about work balance uh, years ago and, and probably more because of my faith. I mean, my faith really is a, is a foundation for me. Uh, and people who know me, that's not a shock to them. I mean, it's not a shock that I'll stop and pray with somebody or somebody's jammed up and, and I feel like, hey, why don't we get coffee? Tell me what's going on. I don't have any advice, but I can walk with you through this. So, so I've always taken time to do those things, but to quote my daughter when she was young, I remember her saying an answer to a question like, so what does your daddy do? Well, he's really busy. Although I got to the soccer games, well, tennis matches, I got to the tennis matches, the recitals, uh, bedtime stories. I mean, I did all the things, but, but at the same time, she got the message that I was pretty busy. And so I, I, I'd say, you don't have to work so hard, John that people aren't that impressed that you're in first, last out. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just work hard, do a good job, care about people. So I could wax eloquent here, but I'll, I'll stop. I think I'm ahead. <laughs> it's very <laughs> humble uh, as, uh, as you are, John, it's a very humble answer. Um, well, sure. that, that's all the hard questions we have for you. So that's a good thing, right? Look at success. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to drop in all of the, uh, uh, wow, DWC social and all that stuff in our, our notes. But if people want to get a hold of you, or actually, what do you want to tell people, John? Like if you, you free reign here, tell people whatever comes from the heart right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you really do genuinely think about those two statements I made earlier uh, about uh Basing decisions on what creates a better quality of life for everyone, not just the owner, everyone. And, and, and but how do we make a little more money? I think if, if you can keep those in front of you, 
I think you'll find it it has some some very surprising results that that are that are that are good. In fact, I was thinking about something that popped into my mind that during the pandemic was kind of an interesting time. I found myself working at home a certain amount, and uh, I got asked the question post pandemic. Well, what did you learn, John? Uh, and this was like from an entrepreneurial standpoint or or a company leader. What what did you learn? I said, you know. I, I learned that I could give myself permission to go home early because I found myself sometimes I was the only person in the office, which made it me feel safe that I could be here because nobody else was here. Uh, and that, you know, I didn't, I, I could leave at three o'clock or two o'clock. Um, and, uh, and so it would almost be the same thing. You don't have to work so hard. Awesome. Wise okay. words. Yes, absolutely. So now I will put all the uh, DWC social links in the notes. But if uh, people wanted to get a hold of you, John, how can they do that? Shoot me an email. Um, okay. I'd be happy to try to um, uh, help you if I can. I have a phrase I use both in difficult circumstances, but also when I just have to tell clients, you know, I, I, we can't do that. It is look, I need friends. Life is hard. I need friends. And so I'm in the business of making friends. And so I, I, I want to help folks if I can. If I can't, I'll tell you I can't. And if I can't, I'll try to tell you where you can find some help. So, yeah, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll do my best to respond. Um, I promise if it takes a while, I'm, I'm really not ignoring you. I just was taking my own advice and not working so hard and going home early. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. Well, thank you very, very much, John. Thank you, John. Thank you for being on the show. And we can't wait to have you back on because you're that much fun. I'm sorry. You, we're going to request awesome. you be back on. So be ready for that. Well, I'll work on my one line jokes for the next time. Awesome. Awesome. John, you've been awesome. Thank you. And everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or are looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.